Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. Been talking about the laws of faith, and when I talk about the, the laws, we're talking about things that are consistent. And it's really important that we understand that there are things in the word that are consistent that we can have work to our benefit. God set it up like that. So that we don't have to walk through life just a hoping and a wishing and a praying. We can really pray and believe and trust and see that God's gonna do mighty great things if we step out and learn how to operate in the laws of faith and receive what He has. Amen. And so we've just talked about the fact, and, and there's, uh, you know, the question was actually, Liz asked me the question, uh, how many laws of faith are there? And my answer was, I don't really know, but it's just a progressive revelation. And so the more we know, the more we understand, the better off we're going to be. And so I'm going to give you a few more laws of faith today, but I don't want you to feel limited to just what I've ministered because there's a lot more. God can show you a lot more. He can give you a lot more understanding. And uh, so we've talked about uh, just the fact that we already have faith. We already have the faith of Jesus. And that actually it's that unbelief that works in opposition to our faith. And the amount of faith isn't the problem. Jesus says the faith the size of a grain, of, a grain of mustard seed is enough to move a mountain. So he was using a very small object to point out that it's not the amount of faith, it's the purity of the faith. It's not having it diluted with all of the doubt and the unbelief and things that speak in opposition to what God's word says. Um, and then we also just went on and said a couple other things that we talked about is the, the importance of protecting your environment. And so whenever you have, and you can read this in the word, that Jesus was very particular about people that he let in when he would minister in certain places in certain ways. And so we have to protect our environment in order for faith to operate and, and uh, function properly. And so I was going to move forward today. And so we're going to start today with, with this law of faith, which is, and you can write this down if you're taking notes, that greater revelation brings easier manifestation. Greater revelation brings easier manifestation. And I just kind of liken the laws of faith. You know, I used uh, uh, reproduction as one because when we're talking about laws, we're talking about things that, that, that we have control over. You know, we don't have control over gravity, right? But we do have control over, you know, uh, laws of sowing and reaping. And, you know, something else we have control over is electricity. And I was thinking about this, that years ago when I remodeled my first house, and I can remember working on, you know, electrical sockets and stuff. And I would, I would really be really, really certain to have all of the power shut off, you know, to that wall or that room or whatever, because I, I didn't understand electricity very well. I knew that the black wire went to the gold screw and the white wire went to the silver screw. And then the green wires got connected together. And I really didn't know what all of it did. But I just knew that that's how you hooked up, you know, a, a, an outlet or whatever. And a switch was, I ruined several switches before I realized that the black wires go together, you know, on either side. And then you got to twist the white ones together. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I had to, to learn some things. And so, but I was very careful to always shut off the power. So then years later, I'm in a, uh, a house uh, installing a light fixture, which I'm not an electrician, obviously, as you can tell, uh, but I was installing a light fixture, which I should not have been doing because my insurance wouldn't have covered it, but the lady was going to pay me, and I was like, sure, I'll make some extra money. So anyways, I, I went to install this light fixture, but I it, was in a, it was in a high-rise apartment, and I could not find the power to shut it off, and I already had her old fixture down and everything, and I was like, Jesus, help me. What am I going to do here? So I, I knew this guy who was an electrician, and I called him, and I said, here's the deal, and he said, listen. He 
said, it's no problem. He said, you can touch any single one of those wires up there. As long as you don't touch more than one, you're not going to get shocked. So he said, you can actually do it without shutting the power off. You just have to be really careful. So I, that's what I did. I was really careful, and I didn't touch more than one wire, and I wired it up and installed the light, and voila, everything came on, and it was great. So, um, and actually, the problem was is that when I flipped the switch, there was still another hot wire up there somehow, and I don't understand electricity, and so I'm thinking, how is this possibly going to work? And so that's how, that's how I was able to do it. Now, I just did a little bit of electrical work, and because I was too lazy to go to the thing and flipped off the switch, I... I no, no, no. This was the one in the kitchen, and the thing was down. I would have had to walk down the stairs and up the stairs, and I wasn't going to do that. So I went into the, the, to replace the receptacle there in the kitchen, and I pulled the wires out and everything, and I replaced that receptacle, and I remembered what I had learned, and I was able to change that receptacle without going and shut, shutting the power off. Now, I don't recommend doing that. I'm just telling you what I did. And my point is, is that the greater revelation you have, the easier it is to do something, the easier it is to manifest something. So the more you know about faith, the more you know about the word of God, which is where faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more you know, the more you understand, the greater you can operate and the greater revelation or the greater manifestation you'll have. Let's look here a little bit deeper at this in 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, and in verse 2, 2 Peter 2 or Second uh, Peter 1, verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and, our, and Jesus our Lord. So there we see that grace and peace come or are multiplied to us in the knowledge of God. Look at verse 3. It says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So we can see that we attain things and we walk in things. You could say that we manifest things based off the knowledge that we have. So the more we know, the more we understand of God's word and his spirit and who he is, the easier it is to manifest things. So going back to the idea of how much do you have to know to be able to take faith and receive something that God has? Well, I put in a light fixture with hot wires that were exposed and I can tell you that the only thing that guy told me on the phone was, well, actually two things. Don't touch uh, any two wires at one time because, and then the thing that goes with it is that that completes the circuit and you're going to get shocked if you do that. So I, that's what I learned and I was able to do something based off of that knowledge that I had. So the reason that this is so important is that if we're not careful, we can look at faith and always feel like we don't know enough to receive or manifest what God has given us. That's actually a trick that the enemy plays on us. And I believe that the more we know, the better and easier, again, we can walk in the fullness of what God has for us. But you just have to know that it's by grace and what you don't know, you just have to trust the grace of God to make up for what you don't know. But I have come to find out that, you know, a year later or two years later, I'll learn things and I go, boy, I, you ever done this? Boy, I wish I would have known what I know now back then. And it certainly would have made that situation go a whole lot easier. So the more we know, the more we understand, the easier it will be to cause manifestation in the areas that we need. Praise God. So that means we need to continue learning. We need to continue growing. And this also answers the question, why? 
Some people will receive things from the Lord and you can have someone else that has the same problem or same issue and they can't seem to walk out what God's promised. And so then you get people that get weird doctrines and they say, well, I guess God just wanted them to have it or I guess this was just their day or God has just favored them. Look, the the promises of the Lord for all of us are yes and in him, amen. He's no respecter of person. Uh, everything that God's provided through the cross is available to all people all of the time. So when we see certain people operate and manifest in certain things and we see other people that don't and they need the same thing, it's not God showing favor to one person over another. That's just one person that's got more or better or cleaner or clearer revelation about something. And so they just operate and walk in and manifest it easier. It's really important that we understand that. And so then we can look at people and instead of uh, being jealous of what they have, we can celebrate what they have and what they're walking in and then begin to believe God that will increase at our revelation and our understanding that we can walk in the same blessing of God that they're walking in. Amen. With this, with that being said, here's a side note. And this is something that's really, this boy, this has really stuck out to me lately that when it comes to the favor of God for specific areas of life, now, there's, there's just the general favor of God or the general will of God that's available to everybody. God wants people to be blessed. He wants people to be saved. He wants people to be healed. All of that, that's available to everybody. But when you're talking about specific areas, right, there are specific areas that God has called people, and the favor of God for those specific things is on that person for that specific thing. Because sometimes people will look and they'll go, well, look at brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so that they have this going on. It's possible that they're walking in the particulars that God has called them to walk in, and that's why the favor is operating on them the way that it is. Does that make sense? So this is like when the Lord spoke to Elijah, and he said, get up, and he said, go to the the brook uh, Cherubith or whatever the name of that thing was, and he said, go there, and he said, you'll have water there, and he said, I'll command the ravens to feed you there. Your place of provision and your place of favor is the place that God has called you. You know, you could come and you could do, try and do the exact same thing that I'm doing here in Perryville with this church and you wouldn't have the same results I'm having. You know why? It has nothing to do with me. I'm nobody. It's because the favor of God is on me to do what I'm doing. And you know, this is, I've seen this work in another way for the negative for me that I've tried at different times to pursue. Liz already knows. She's like, yeah, we paid the piper for it. I've tried to do business things. And it doesn't work for me very well. I'm not the smartest guy, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty smart. I'm smart enough to know how to make some money and invest. But you know that every time I do, I just lose my tail every single time that I do. And God has to come in and he has to rescue me. And then I'll look at somebody over here that's doing the same thing. And it's just like they're, they're rolling in the dough. And I'm like, God, don't you love me? <laughs> don't you care for me? And then because I've been a a, a little, maybe not understood things properly in the past, I'll say, I've got the favor of God on me. I can do it. Yeah, God's favored me, but he hasn't favored me to do the same thing that he's favored somebody else to do. Favor's on us in general, but we need to know that there are specific things that God has favored and called us to do. And when you find that, that's the sweet spot. That's where you walk with the Lord and things just, it's not that you don't ever have trials or issues or problems, but basically it's just easy. Things just work out well for you. Amen. And, you know, I could have avoided some of that stuff if I just listened to my wife. (laughs) 
If I'd listened to Holy Ghost number one and number two, it would have worked really good. And it's the truth. I, I see some women doing that stuff. Just calm down, ladies, calm down. But it's true. I, I could remember back whenever I missed it, and it was like, God, I, re- I, remember, I remember that feeling. I just did not have peace about it, and I did it anyways. And then at the same time, Liz was like, yeah, and I was telling you not to do it as well. <laughs> And if I just listened and obeyed, I wouldn't have run into that stuff. Amen. You know that every pitfall that you fall into, you could look back and you could see how the Lord was saying, don't do it. He has the still small voice. He can be loud and booming, but that's just not how God usually operates. And so if we'll just be quiet and we'll listen to him, and he's so faithful, he'll speak to us in here, but then he'll also give us people that will speak to us here and it will confirm what he's speaking here. And if we'll listen, it'll just, but man, just, you know, it's, it's like the, the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life cause us to do things that we shouldn't do. And we get into this. And for me, it was kind of, it was kind of a pride thing, honestly, because here's how it really started with me. And the Lord started to show me that I had some pride in this area. When I bought my first house, it was a supernatural thing. I won't get into all the details, but Basically, I, I gave this amount of money. The Lord said, you're going to receive a hundredfold return. Within like two days, I got a call from this lady. She said, hey, this house came available. I was thinking of you. I didn't even tell her I was looking for a house. She said, I think maybe you should come look at it. I go and look at it, and I'm standing there with my dad, and the, the Lord says, buy this house. And dad turns to me 30 seconds later and says, I'd buy this house. Bought the house, put $6,000 into it, and turned around two years later and sold it for $28,000 more than what I bought it. And I made $22,000, 100-fold return off of what I bought, or off of what I gave. And so I thought, hmm, this is, this is a pretty sweet deal here. I mean, it was easy. I had a place to live, and I mean, it was nice, and I got it fixed up like I wanted it. So, you know, I tried to do that two more times. You thought I would have learned the second time, praise God, I broke even. The third time, I just came out of it about two, three years ago, actually, and I lost my tail in so bad. But the whole time, God was speaking, saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. There was favor on me for that particular thing, for that particular time. That wasn't a lifelong thing that God was wanting me to do. It was just like a particular avenue. He was saying, do this, and you're going to prosper this way. What if I had taken that money that I made and said, Lord, what do you want me to do with this money to cause it to grow and increase? Instead of saying, well, I can fix up houses, and I can make money. And in the natural, it would seem that way, but that's man's natural wisdom. We don't need to operate in man's natural wisdom. You know, if you can do something without the Lord, then it's probably not him. In fact, I can pretty much guarantee you that it's not him. He's interested in us doing things that we, we can't do unless we have his help. That we turn to him and go, God, I feel like you're asking me to do this thing, but I have to have you. And he's like, yeah, awesome. That's what I've been wanting you to do instead of doing your own thing for so long. Amen. So praise God. That's good, That's good wisdom, isn't it? That's some, just some basic good wisdom. That was all as a side note, but I believe that was from the Holy Ghost. For some of you, you needed to hear it. And so the first thing that I've shared today as far as the law of faith is that greater revelation brings easier manifestation. The next thing I want to say is that faith is released through commanding words. Faith is released through commanding words. And I want you to notice how I phrased it, that I didn't say faith was released through words, but it's through commanding words. And the reason this is so important is that 
if you just speak words and you don't command, then you're not going to get the results that you need. And for some people, this is confusing. They say, well, you can't command God to do anything. Well, if you think that faith is about getting God to move, you're already off track. I've talked about this before, so I won't go into a lot of details, but faith is cooperating with what God has already done. It's not getting him to move. We don't use pry bar faith. We don't get in and get in and get in faith and, and push and pull, and then finally God decides to do something because we've got great faith. No, faith is cooperating with who God is and with what he says and what his promises are. That's what faith is supposed to look like. That we must speak from a place of knowing our authority. That's what it looks like to use commanding words when we're speaking. I hear a lot of people say, and I don't want to get wrangled about with words, but I want to make a point here that people will say, I need to take my authority or I need to get authority. I got news for you. If you've been born again by the spirit of God, you're a disciple of Jesus, you already have the authority. So what we need to do is we need to utilize the authority that God has already given us. And the way that we do is specifically speak to the things, to the problems. Now, there's a place for asking the Lord, for seeking the Lord, for getting answers. But there's also a place that we're supposed to take the authority that we have and speak directly to the problem. And we see this over and over and over and over in the word. And so in Mark 11, 20, 22 and 23, we've been here a lot, but it's a great passage. It says, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. So the point is, is that he says, whoever says to the mountain, you don't talk to God. You don't ask God to do it for you. And that's foreign to a lot of people because they feel like that if they're not asking God to do something, that, that they're out of line. Or, and we've heard people say they've taken faith teaching and, and they've twisted it around and said, well, they're, they're telling God what to do. I got news for you. You're never going to tell God what to do. He's already got his mind made up. He is who he is. He's the God that changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And our great faith or words or commanding will never change or move God. This is not about changing or commanding God to do anything. This is about the, the situations. This is about the sickness. This is about the demonic spirit. This is about, like Jesus said, moving the mountain, speaking directly to the mountain. So faith is released through commanding words. And another example, and this just goes to show that God, you know, God was in faith when he did it, but when he created the world, he didn't say to, you know, the, the, the light, for example, he didn't say, light, would you please come into existence? Would you, I pray to myself that you would move somehow, you know what I'm saying? Like he didn't do that. He spoke directly to and said, light be, and light was. You say, well, we can't do that. Hang on a second here. We're created in the likeness and the image of God. And when he put Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, he said to, uh, to subdue the earth, which meant to take, a, take the authority he had given them and actually begin to work it and do the things that he told them to do. So he's given that authority to man. Now, in the garden, whenever Satan came and deceived them, Essentially, what they did was they handed their authority over to Satan. And this is why we see the Old Testament, what it looked like. But if you fast forward all the way to Jesus, Jesus came and he crushed the head of the serpent. He took back that authority and he gave it to us. Hallelujah. So now we are the ones that actually possess the authority to take the, the kingdom principles and operate in those things in the earth. 
I used this analogy a while ago, and it really, it really helped some people, their understanding open up, because it was just, this sounds so foreign to so many people, because they feel like that God is in charge of everything. Whenever people say, and I'm just, I know this is going to rub some people the wrong way, but I don't, I don't care. Whenever I hear people say, God is in control, I'm not going to sit and argue that, but what I say is that God's in charge, but technically we're the ones in control. If he is in control, why is he allowing so much garbage to go on in the world? I thought he loved people. They say, man, I've been saying God's in control for years because he is. Well, you can keep saying that if you want, but he's given us the authority. You, you realize that he called his disciples together, and it says that he gave them power and authority over all sickness, over all disease, and over all demonic spirits. We're the ones that actually have the control because we have the authority. Might have opened up a can there that I shouldn't have opened up. Or just think about the language that we use. With that being said, we're not God. We're not above God. We've always been beneath him and we always will be beneath him. There's no confusion there on my part. But what I do understand is that the authority has been, has been given to me. It's been given to you. This would just be like if a police officer, there was an accident at, at a, at a uh, stoplight, and he stood out there with his uniform on and should have directed the traffic, but didn't direct the traffic and got run over and sent to the hospital. And the police chief comes and says, what was going on? And he says, well, you're in charge. You're the one who's in control here because you're the police chief. Well, sure, the police chief is above that guy, but in that situation, that officer should have stood in his place and directed, directed the traffic. And you say, well, I don't think that would ever happen. Of course it wouldn't happen because those officers understand that when they go out on, on patrol, that they have a certain amount of delegated authority that's given to them that they can operate and they can function any which way that they need to within the scope of the authority that's been given to them. Same way in the kingdom of God. We've been given authority, and if we can understand that, then we can operate and function properly and get the results that we need to get. So I used this analogy a while back, and this really helped people, that when it comes to, when it comes to the, the, the kingdom of God, and it comes to the laws that God set up in the earth, it's very similar to the United States. And we have three branches of government, right? We have the, the legislative, they make the laws, we have the judicial, and they oversee the laws to make sure that they're interpreted properly. And then we have the executive branch that actually executes those laws. For simplicity, let me say this, that God is the legislative branch. He's the one that made the laws. You and I didn't make the laws. God did. But do you know that until the time of Adam and Eve, God was sitting in the executive seat? But when he put Adam and Eve in the, in the earth, he actually, in a sense, removed himself and he put Adam and Eve in that place and said, now you have dominion. You subdue the earth. This is your place to reign and rule here. If you don't believe me, you can just go and look in Genesis. That's exactly what it says, is that he says he gave them dominion and authority in the earth. The enemy stole it. Then again, Jesus regained that by defeating the enemy and gave that authority back to us. We now sit in the executive seat in the government 
You say, well, nobody's, a, nobody's above the president. You just got to allow the analogy to have some leaks in it. It's not perfect, all right? Nobody's above God. I'm not saying that. He's, you could say he's the president. He's the king. He's the almighty one. He's the greatest one. But he's delegated that authority to us for us to do it. So when people sit and they go, God, please heal me, please touch me. And they pray and they pray and they fast and they plead and they intercede and they do all these things, but they never operate in faith properly from the word and use words, commanding words, and then wonder why nothing ever happened. It's because the Lord was saying, son, daughter, I love you, but I gave you that authority. I gave you that power. You know, Brother Hagin one time, and he was a, a young man, of course he's dead now, but when he was a young man, he was praying one day, and he was one that had a lot of open visions and, and went. Um, he actually, how he got born again was he got taken to hell and came back and got, he was very radical. But one day when he was praying, and he was, he had, I don't know if it was an open vision, but some kind of vision of Jesus, and Jesus was standing there and was talking to him and was giving him understanding and giving him revelation and speaking to him. And the next thing you know is there's a, there's a demon that walks in between him and Jesus and is jumping and shouting and, and making all this noise and saying all this stuff. And he, he's like, I can't hear, I can't hear. And finally he says, shut up and get out of the way. And that demon went and left. And Jesus said, Kenneth, you had to be the one to do that. I couldn't be the one to do it because you have the authority. That's pretty powerful. Because you would have thought in a situation like that that Jesus would would tell it to leave. And when he was on the earth, he did do that. But he was setting an example of what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to walk in this life. This is why we're called little Christs. It actually was not a term of endearment back in the day in the early church to be called a Christian. They were called Christians because, you know, they didn't, they didn't the, the Pharisees and stuff, the religious people, they obviously didn't like Jesus because he squelched all of their re- religiosity. And so when the disciples came along after the day of Pentecost and they were acting just like him, they were going about, they were healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, preaching the kingdom. And so they would refer to them and they would say, these little Christians, these people that are they're just like Christ. And you know what? We don't hear that enough today. When it comes to how, and that was the world viewing the church. When it comes to how the world views the church today, they're judgmental, they're critical, they're, they think they're better than we are, they don't walk in love, they have no backbone, they're not culturally relevant. There's a whole list of things that people say about the church. And come on, now, I'm, I'm including me in this too, that the world says about the church, but they hardly ever say, do you know what? They act just like Jesus. They act just like Jesus did. It's time things turn around and the church begins to actually exemplify and look like Jesus that we're, so, that we're supposed to be like, that we're supposed to be his disciple. They looked like Jesus and they were called Christians, little Christs, because they were actually being discipled by him and they were discipled by him. We need to actually take the mindset of Christianity as we know it, if I could say this, and throw it out and then put discipleship back in the place where it belongs to where we come and we sit at the feet of Jesus 
And he disciples us and teaches us and mentors us and reveals things to us from his word by the spirit of God to where we move and act and do things just like he did. That was the whole idea about discipleship is that when you had the, the discipler and the disciplee, you would have the disciplee that at some point would begin to act and look like and manifest just like the one that had discipled them. So I would say that maybe the church hasn't really been being discipled by the Lord Jesus, and that's the reason that maybe we don't act like him like we should. I'm not coming down on anybody. I'm putting myself in the same boat, but that's what I want people to say about us. That's what I want people to say about me is, man, they, they act just like Jesus. They're, say, they're seeing the same, and of course Jesus isn't alive today, so it's a little bit different, but they should be saying, look at the miracles that they're seeing. Look at how they just love everybody. We pretty much hear the opposite when it comes to the world's view of the church, that we're judgmental and critical. And if I can be honest with you, by and large, the church has been judgmental and, and, and critical. And we need to knock that stuff off because that's not how Jesus walked. That's not how he was. Hallelujah. I don't know how I got off on all that, but that's pretty good stuff. Somebody say good preaching, preacher. Well, lastly, I'll say this, that when it comes to the faith is released through commanding words, Jesus said, and I'm just going to throw some things out, that he said, arise, he said, go, he said, come out, he said, shut up, he said, peace, be still, and he also said, be healed, and there's a whole bunch more that I didn't even have on my list here. So Jesus was into commanding, and again, we, we are his representatives here on the earth, and we're supposed to do and act just like Jesus did and how he acted. So when it comes to praying and getting results, I'm not saying there's not a place to say, Father, show me this. Lord, reveal this to me. Help me understand this. But what I, do, what I do know is that when it comes to the things in front of us, I stopped asking the Lord a long time ago, and I started commanding things to change. Back when I was involved and had my business and the, and the time was right, not flipping houses, but doing the, my drapery installation business, and Liz, if she wouldn't text in church, she could vouch for this. Woo! Be careful where you sit. I'm just kidding. She's making notes. I'm kidding. She's really making notes. Forgive me, Jesus. Lord, here's where you ask. Lord, I ask that Liz would have mercy on me. I ask that she would have no ought in her heart against me. All right, anyways. We had our business, and... We, can't, we lost track of the times to where we would have no work. No work would be there. And no money would be there either because we didn't save it or whatever. Anyways, we needed... Actually, I never really wanted to work. I just wanted the money. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> if ever you could get a job to where you didn't have to work, but they just paid you, that would be incredible. So, but anyways, so we needed money. We needed work. And I don't know how many times that we would come together and we would pray, and our prayer wasn't, Lord, would you please send work my way? You know why? Because God gave me authority over my business. So I would say, work come in Jesus' name. I would speak just like that. Liz is my witness. Could we say dozens and dozens of times that we did that? And I would get a call sometimes in moments, but within a, within a day, most of the time, Hey, I need you to bid this job, and it would be like a big job. Or I'd have like 10 little jobs just all of a sudden out of the blue just funnel in. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times that happened. Why? Because I stopped asking, God, will you bless me? Will God already wants us blessed. That's why Jesus died and paid the price. 
He wants us to be blessed and live in abundance in every area of our life. So we started taking that grace that he gave us, started operating in faith with commanding words. I started to command the business to come in. I know that's hard on people that say, you can't just command it to. It's To me, it's more impossible to command a mountain to be removed, even though Jesus said you could do it, than it is to command work to come into your business. Or to look at a fig tree and curse it to die, and then look at it 24 hours later and realize that the cursed words towards that fig tree actually caused the thing. That's impossible to do in the natural. You can't do that. But through the help of the Holy Ghost and what Jesus provided in faith, we can do that. Speak to your business. Speak to your household. Speak to your spouse, maybe not to their face, but behind their back. Say, thank you, Jesus. They are nice to me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Whatever the situation is, speak directly to the problem. If your leg's hurting you, stop complaining about your leg. Speak to your leg in faith and command healing to flow. You have that authority. God's given that to you. This goes to my next thing, and this will be the last thing I'll share for today. This is the next, and this is so important. And this is a law of faith that we must understand is that our words will make us or they will break us. What you say about your particular situation will determine the outcome you have in your particular situation. Let me show you some examples in James chapter 3 and verse 2. This is a powerful verse. James 3 and 2. It says, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word... Listen to this now. He is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. That's pretty powerful. Able to bridle the whole body. If you don't stumble in a word, you're a perfect man. That's really, really powerful. Listen to what it says here in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 and 21. We know this well. It says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth and from the produce of his lips... He shall be filled. And then verse 21 says that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. We actually have the power of life and death in our tongue. I think back to when when, uh, the Lord spoke to the children, and he said, I set before you this day life and death. And then he says, choose life. But the choice is up to you. We have the choice to receive and manifest life or death, depending on the words that we speak out of our mouth. I would say, and I'll say this just with all kindness, that the church really as a whole, the church has no idea, has no idea of this. And this is why you will hear people talk the way they do. I've had many, many, many times where I've, I've counseled uh, you know, depending on the situation, Liz and I might counsel or something, but or I've counseled the man or we've counseled the, the lady together. And they want to see change in their marriage, but they come in and it's all negative stuff over their marriage. It's negative stuff over the other person. And what they're doing is they're actually re, they're revealing their heart, but they're speaking death over that situation that they say that they want help in, that they say they want to see change. The same thing with people with their, their bodies. <laughs> so many times I'll pray for people. How do you feel? Well, man, it's hurting. It's hurting. Okay, I understand that. 
And then we could pray again. Praise God. We'll just continue to believe God and speak over that thing. But if you're going to continue to speak death over your body, you know what you're going to have? You're going to have death in your body. It says right here that we have the, po the power to release life or death is within our tongue. And those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. That means when you learn to love the power that you have, you'll eat the good fruit of what your tongue can produce. I love the fact that I can, I can wake up and feel like garbage in the morning. So, anybody ever just feel, wake up and you think, oh, why did I wake up today? But praise God, I did wake up today. And actually, I'm going to continue that thought. And I thank you, Jesus, that this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And Father, I thank you that even though I'm dealing with the situation right now, that I've got a lack, that I don't have enough money, I thank you that I'm going to rejoice, that I'm going to be excited, and that, God, your provision is in the pipeline, and then it's going to come to me in Jesus' name. I thank you that work is coming. I thank you that jobs are coming. I thank you that things are coming in the line. And God, even though my, my arm's not, not working right, I thank you in Jesus' name name before I even said it, it's working. Hallelujah. That my arms heal, whatever the situation is. When you learn to love that gift that God's given us, because we have the authority, we have, you say, man, you really get on a roll. I do that all by myself. Oh, you should hear the hallelujahs and the amens and the thank you, Jesus, and the praise hallelujahs that happen all by myself. I'll preach it and then I'll amen myself. That's why from you guys, I'm always like, yeah, come on, give me an amen. Give me an amen. Because when it's right, it's right. You learn to love, love what God's given you. This, this tongue is so powerful. And then that scripture verse in James, it talks about how that you can cause, you can cause the, 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 uh, the ship that it compares like to a ship. You can have just a rudder on a ship. You know, I got a boat. It's 17 foot by however wide. And you know, the rudder on that thing is about this big. And I can be going down the glassy, lake or whatever, and I can go, and that bubbles. That's the analogy of the tongue. You can just, and you can cause yourself to go down, or you can take the words of Jesus and speak life and cause change to happen in this situation. You say, well, I've, I did that before, and it just didn't work. Well, don't stop. These are the principles that we have, and if you walk with them, you apply them, you keep doing it, eventually you're going to manifest the thing that God says you're going to manifest. You're going to have the thing that God says that you can have. And part of it is that we look into the, we look into, to the spirit and we see things and we call, just like Abraham, we call those things that are not as though they were. So even though you don't actually see it in the natural, it doesn't mean it's wrong to speak what you know to be true in the spirit. That's exactly how faith works is that you see something in the spirit. You know it to be true because God's word says it and you speak it whether you see it or not. You speak it and eventually it comes to pass. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, I have to show you this story. Can you all hang with me a few more minutes? Good, great, awesome, wonderful. Turn to Luke chapter one. Let me show you this. Luke chapter one. Actually, while you're turning to Luke chapter one, let me quote this in Luke chapter six. In Luke chapter 6, it says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now, there's a lot in this verse, and most assuredly, this is talking about what is inside of our heart. We need to deal with the things that are in our heart, because what we have in us will flow out. But notice how it flows out. Out of the, out of the heart, his mouth speaks. 
I'm not going to go and talking about the heart here, but just understand here, what is inside eventually is going to come out. This shows us the power of our tongue, of our mouth, how important that is. Look here in Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to read a few verses here because I want to show you this story. It's an incredible story. And the Lord just really has just highlighted some things here for me. And I'm going to read a few verses, and for time's sake, I'm going to skip. You can go back and read the story in fullness later. But this is the story about uh, Zacharias. And Zacharias was a priest in the temple, and it was his time to go up and do his duty in the temple. And so he was in there doing what he was supposed to do. And then verse 11, it says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. That's pretty incredible. (laughs) Could you imagine being there and just all of a sudden an angel appeared before you? And in verse 12, it says, And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, without going back and reading it, just understand that they had been praying that they would they would bear forth the son. That was their prayer. That's what they were asking and, and believing God for on some level. But they were old in age and they had been barren and, and hadn't, you know, hadn't had any kids up to this point. And this angel says, your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. Verse 14, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will, this is a special kind of kid, amen. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then it says, and Zacharias said, now listen, all the stuff that this angel just said. I mean, this was an answer to their prayer. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? Well, you can know it because there's an angel standing in front of you reading your mail. That's how you know it. He says, for I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. So what was he doing? He was looking at the natural instead of looking and listening and hearing and responding to the supernatural. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day of these things take place. So until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. So he was making a connection here between words and believing. He said, you're going to be mute because you didn't believe the words that, that I had just spoken to you. There's times when I wish the Holy Ghost would make some people mute so they can manifest what they need to manifest in their life. But this was just a supernatural and specific time. But it shows the fact that John the Baptist needed to be born and that he muted him for the season so that he wouldn't uproot what the angel had spoken Because again, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And he had already spoken out of his mouth. How can this be? How will I know this since me and my wife are well advanced in years and we're old and it just hasn't seemed to have been working? I mean, you could imagine all the things that he put in there. And the angel said, all right, well, 
You are the ones that are going to carry this baby and your wife is going to carry this baby. But because of your unbelief, because you're not speaking what's lined up with what you're supposed to be believing, I'm going to cause you to be mute. So you know what the Lord would say to us? When God gives you a promise, when he tells you something, unless you're going to agree here with that promise, then shut your mouth. I mean that with all the love in my heart, but shut up. Sorry, we're not supposed to say that at our house either, but Jesus said shut up to the demon, so... And you know, when you've got, when you've got this, this unction to just speak in opposition to what God says, you've got to wonder if that's a demon trying to speak. You say, well, I don't have a demon in me. I'm not going to sit and argue that. But what I am saying is that demonic spirits will try to get you to say things that don't line up with what God says. That's how the enemy works. Oh, the power of our words. Oh. And I love the fact that God kept his promise. And if you look over, and in verse 57 of the same chapter, it says, Now Elizabeth full-time came, because remember, the angel said that during this time, during this season, you're going to be mute. It says, Now Elizabeth's full-time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day, and they came to circumcise the child. They would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. But they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to the father in what he would have called in what he would have called. Uh, in six, verse 63, and he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. I bet you after however many months, nine months or whatever, I bet he did say that. So I write that. So they all marveled and immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loose and he spoke praising God. Hallelujah. I love the promise that the Lord fulfilled that it would, his tongue would be released there. We just have to look that that was how important that he was shut up all the way until that point because that promise, it had to come to pass. It was like a, an intervention thing where God did something special. That's what we need to do. When the Lord says something, when we've got a situation and the Lord says, I need you to believe me for the supernatural, he gave us a word, we speak that word out, and then we need to keep our mouth shut until the time that it comes to pass. Then we see it and then we can just praise God. So thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Good stuff. Powerful stuff. Life-changing stuff. You say, how do I get from, from where I'm at to where I need to be? You just begin to speak in faith and don't speak anything different than what faith says than what God says. This isn't part of, a, of some movement when I'm telling you here. This isn't just some, some thing in, a, in, a, in the part of the body of Christ that we learned about faith and now we don't take. These are principles in the word of God. I just showed you, and I could show you a hundred more scripture verses if I had time that say the exact same thing. We have to learn to operate and take these laws that govern how faith works. You cannot understand certain laws. This is, I believe this to be true. You cannot understand certain laws and still get manifestation. But there are certain laws that if you violate, you will not get manifestation. And one of those things is that what you say or what you don't say will make you or break you. Powerfully important. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know, if you understand faith properly, it's, it's such an awesome thing. 
It's such a powerful thing. And it's actually an encouraging thing because if you understand that it's not about moving God but moving you, that's encouraging. If you think you've got to move God, hang it up. Go home. Forget about it. But faith is coming to him believing that he is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and saying, thank you, Jesus, that every promise is yes and amen. It's true. And Father, I thank you that even though Grandma Susie Q died of the thing, I'm still, I thank you that I can still believe you because my faith isn't limited to her issue. My faith is only limited to if I fully believe you, just simply believe you on what you said. We don't have to be limited by other people, by family members, by whatever somebody else received or didn't receive. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. I just want you to take this word. I want you to meditate on it. I'm telling you, and God's getting ready to show you. Some of you are going to manifest things on your own that you need. Because I was thinking, Lord, we could go and we could take time and pray and minister, but that's just not what he's telling me. Take these things that I'm telling you, begin to apply them and watch. But in the services coming ahead next week for sure and ones after that, I love show and tell. Sometimes God will tell you, then he'll show you. Sometimes he'll show you, then he'll tell you. He's telling you now and he's getting ready to show you. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.